Welcome to the Seven Hills Church Podcast with Marcus Mika. We're excited you're here listening as Pastor Marcus is about to bring an incredible teaching that is sure to inspire, motivate, and lift you up. You can visit us on our website at sevenhillschurch.tv or download our free Seven Hills Church app to watch or listen to more exclusive content. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed the message. So John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verse number 7, a woman of Samaria came to draw water and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food and the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans and Jesus answered to her and said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's telling you Give me a drink, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is so deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Are you greater than than him who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And Jesus said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him shall become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Come on, listen to the rain. Perfect timing right there with the Bible verse. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and let him come here. And she said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, I know that already. He said, actually, let's look at this. You've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you to be a prophet. Jesus introduces himself not as Messiah, but as a marriage counselor. Notice this woman is single or divorced, I guess you could say, but yet he saw fit that she would need some relationship advice. So everybody in this room, married, single, uh, married and don't want to be, single and wish you were married, every single one of us can benefit from some things Jesus taught this woman. And uh, let's pray real quick that God would speak to every single heart and situation here. Father, we thank you for your word. John 6 says that this word is spirit and it is life. And so, Father, we pray that the word of God, that two-edged sword, would go and pierce every heart and divide asunder what's soul and what's spirit. And, Father, that your word would build our spirit man up. Father, that it would not just speak to our minds and our emotions, but, Father, you would bypass that and you would go directly into building up the spirit of God that's dwelling on the inside of every single one of us. Paul prayed that he would be strengthened in his inner man. I pray that today, God, that we would all be strengthened. Let us not just listen with our natural ears, but let us listen with our spiritual ear as well to what you would say to us today. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. I remember the very first car I bought, I had to work uh, almost a year, two jobs to buy it. And I finally bought it. It was a Buick Regal. It was a Buick, beautiful, beautiful uh, I don't know how old it was. I don't even remember what year it was. But what I do remember is it had blue suede interior. That's right. 
blue suede interior. And it had chrome spoked rims. And yes, it did have a cassette play, player in it as well. And one day I'm out cruising my massive metropolitan area of approximately 50 was the population of that town. And just enjoying my newfound freedom, driving by cows and various things like that. And all of a sudden, I started hearing this click, 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 click. And the person that was with me said, how long has that been going on? I'm like, I don't know, a couple days. And he's like, have you put oil in this car recently? I said, it's kind of new. I think I, it's, I've had it for like a year. I mean, when am I supposed to put oil in it? We pulled over. He goes and he checks the oil. I didn't even know how to do that. And we find out that it was completely empty, no oil in it. And he told me, he said, well, go get some oil, but it's probably too late. It's too late. When you hear that clicking sound, it's too late. Your engine has been completely ruined. I know I just lost my man card, but I was 16. And so show me a little bit of grace. That phrase, it's too late. It's too late. That's what I think about when I read John chapter four. This woman has been divorced five times, five times too late. It's almost to me, if I'm this girl and I'm imagining being in her shoes, I would probably be saying, hey, it's a little too late here. It would have been nice if you would have showed up at the end of marriage number one and maybe talked to me about this living water. Would have been great. Maybe, maybe, worst case scenario, you at least showed up before marriage number two failed. But here he is. She's been divorced five times. She's on the sixth, and she implies that she's given up on marriage completely. She's given up on the idea of relationships as far as a committed type way, completely. And we don't know what her reasons are, but we know that she has been devastated over and over and over. And it's too late. She's lived her whole life trying to find validation in human relationships. She doesn't know who she is outside of a man telling her who she is. And whatever her reasons or whatever your reasons, I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't ask for details. He doesn't care about the details. He doesn't care about the reasons why. He doesn't care if she was too young and didn't know what she was getting into. He doesn't care if the the second one was somebody that was more stable and mature, but that didn't work out because there wasn't a spark. He doesn't care if she was out with some girlfriends in Vegas and, and, you know, just drank too much and woke up the next day married to someone she didn't know. He doesn't care if she's on Facebook in an old flame and her rekindle, but it didn't work because blend families are hard. He doesn't care if she found somebody that's hurting and, and that they got together in an unattractive, uh, unhealthy attraction. He doesn't care what her reasons are. And honestly, it's not that he doesn't care, but the details of your unique situation, because this is what we love to do. We love to say, if you knew my situation, if you knew what we were going through, if you knew who I was married to, you wouldn't be talking like this. So I just want to say up front that this advice is for anybody in any situation. It doesn't matter if you're the happiest person or the saddest person, if you have the worst marriage or you have the best marriage. 
Jesus doesn't talk about the details. What he does talk about is that all of us will go from relationship to relationship to relationship, from heartbreak to heartbreak to heartbreak. We will continue in a never-ending negative cycle unless we let Jesus deal with the core or the root issue. Which is, by the way, why Jesus came and died on a cross. He didn't want to deal with surface stuff. He wanted to get to the root cause behind sickness, the root cause behind sickness. And by the way, when he's dying on a cross, he also made sure that he was including the healing that our relationships need as well. And so he comes to her and he says, listen, you don't have a man problem. You have a deeper problem. You don't, you don't have a marriage problem. What you really have is a spiritual problem. And that drive that you have to go from man to man to man or relationship to relationship to relationship, by the way, that thirst that you have will never be quenched by another human being. And then he gives her this crazy thought, this crazy, incredible thought. But if you would ask me, all that you've been looking for in all these other relationships, if you would just stop, Looking for that in someone else. And if you would just ask me, if you would humble yourself, if you would put away your pride, put away the stubbornness, if you would put away the ego, and if you would just come to me and seek me, if you would quit living through that rejected mindset and heart, if you would quit living through that, the mindset of, of the hurt and pain you're trying to numb, if you would just quit thirsting after love and connection with someone else, and if you would just ask me, invite me, bring me into the situation, then I have a gift that I can give you from God that would help you never thirst again. So what this teaches us is number one in my little sermon, number one, is if you push God out, you will have relationship problems. If you push God out, your relationships will break down. And the most important human relationship you have is the person that your hus- is your husband or your wife. Which, by the way, God did not create marriage in a gauntlet. He created marriage in Eden, paradise, a place of abundance, a place of beauty, a place of peace. Let me ask you a quick question. How many of you would define marriage as paradise? (laughs) Somebody's faking it now. They've been in church a little while. I better do something. But that's where God created it initially. And if you really study it, God never removed Adam and Eve from paradise. He never removed them from Eden. They walked out one stubborn, prideful step at a time. They walked out. God was there. God was present. And so when they walked out of Eden, what they were really doing is they were pushing God out of their relationship. And when they pushed God out, their relationship started to break down. They started to fight. They started to point fingers. They started to blame. They started to say, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. But listen, God never created marriage for Adam and Eve. When God created marriage, he did it in Eden, which is where he was. And he was there first, then Adam, and then Eve. 
So marriage breaks down when you don't realize that God created marriage and the way he created it was he is required. It's, re- it's, not, it's not even optional. If he's not in the relationship, the relationship will fail. People say it takes two to make a marriage work. Nope, it takes three. If you leave God out, the marriage is doomed. So if you walk away from God in your relationship, you will start thirsting for another relationship. You will start believing that what that person is not doing for you, surely there's someone that will do those things for you. They'll say those things for you. They'll treat you this way. They'll, that, that somehow, someway, there's someone out there that will do. And in your mind, what you're thirsting for, that thirst can never be quenched by a human being. And that's what Jesus tells this woman, that thing that you're desiring, been through five divorces, you're on number six, how's it going for you? Is it going to take 10? Is it going to take 20? How many is it going to take? How many days? How many years are you going to lose? Are you going, how many heartbreaks are you going to go through before you quit pushing me out and you ask of me and let me give you that gift from God? And as a result, that thirst will be quenched. So let me ask you a question. If your relationship with God is breaking down, what should you do? What should you do? Well, I like number two here, this number two thought. Because I would say for this lady, it's too late. But I love that Jesus shows up and with him, it's never too late. Never. And so what you see here, number two, is if you push God out, number one, then all relationships break down. But number two, if you have, it's never too late. So Jesus shows up. She's been married five times. Now, we're church people, right? We know a little bit about church. Or if you're not a church person, let me help you with church. Church people don't do well with divorce. Okay, they don't do well. Some of you are here because the last place you went to, they didn't like the fact that you went through a divorce. I'm not endorsing divorce. I don't believe God, divorce is God's will. The Bible actually says God hates divorce. Uh, The reason God says that people get divorced is because their heart gets hard. Whenever we think about the will of God for your life, is it that you have a hard heart? No, he wants us to have soft hearts, pliable hearts, open hearts, forgiving hearts. That's what he wants us to give. Now, but I'm not here shaming anybody. I'm just helping you know that, that I'm not saying he's okay with it. What I'm saying is she's not been through one or two, or three, or four, but five. And yet here Jesus is, and the most notable quality in the story is that Jesus is saying it's not too late. It's not over for you. The, the, the characteristic in the story that Jesus gives this woman is compassion. Why would he show her so much compassion? It's because he already knew she had never seen a successful relationship. And so why should we offer our spouses, why should we offer ourselves compassion if we've had relationship failures? It's because most of us have to be honest and admit we've not really seen that many, if any, successful relationships. And so Jesus knows that we've not seen them. He knows that this woman has not seen them. And so he functions in incredible compassion because he knows how clueless she was and he knows how clueless you and I are. The reason you can 
count on the compassion of God is number one is because he knows how ignorant you are. He knows how dumb you are. He knows how stupid you are in relationships. And if you don't think that you're dumb or stupid in relationships, and let me just take your spouse into another room for a few minutes when you're not there and they'll talk about it. I'm simply saying that our ignorance is what triggers the compassion of God. And not just that, number two, you can trust that Jesus is compassionate because he knows how much the devil's trying to relentlessly attack your relationships, how he never stops, he never lets up, trying to constantly attack and separate and pull you and I apart. And that's how we can always know that God will give us great compassion. What did he say on the cross as they're trying to kill him? He said, forgive them, why? Because they do not know what they're doing. So number two, it's never too late to start over. It's not too late for you if you're at the very end on your way to the divorce court. It's not too late to you for you if you're on round number two. It's not too late for you to start in a fresh way. Let today be the first day of the rest of your relationship life. So Jesus does not introduce himself to us as judge in this text. He introduces himself as wonderful counselor. He doesn't introduce himself as the pallbearer. He introduces himself as the great physician. There to heal her heart, knowing that if she'll just ask of him what he can do in her heart, will heal her in such a way she'll quit believing that she's going to find her fix in another human relationship. And so I wanna encourage you to receive the compassion of God in your life this morning. Receive his compassion in your marriage. Show your spouse some compassion today. God is with you. He loves you. He's for you. He's taken every single thread of your life, all the threads of pain and the thread of that failure and the thread of that mistake and the thread of that hurt and the thread of that betrayal and the thread of that rejection. He's taken all of those things and he's working those things and he's weaving those things together for your good and if you'll ask of him and drink of his compassion he said you would never thirst again so number one if you push him out you're going to have a marriage breakdown relationship breakdown number two it's never too late to start over number three and this is my last point god created you god created marriage he's the only one that can make it work now i'm not the builder of this engine i didn't create this engine, I didn't invent this engine. Based on my story when I was 16, I think you know that by now. I've never read a book on engines. I've never studied engines. Uh, I've never read a manual on engines. Um, I, this is about the most I've ever done with an engine, what you're seeing right now. I've looked at some engines. Now, I know, for example, that there's keys right here and that this engine uh, if I turn this key, it should start. Okay, that's what it's up here for. It's up here to start. It's supposed to start. Um, now, what I do when something that I want to work like this doesn't work is, is I'm not going to do it in front of you today, but, but normally... Um, I'm not quite as saved as you would like to think I am. And so I'll probably scream at the engine. 
I'll probably yell at the engine. Before I got saved, I might cuss at the engine. Now I'll just pray in the spirit over the engine. That's what you wanted to hear, right? I, I'll threaten the engine that I'm going to trade it in for a younger, sleeker engine. I might even go sit in the corner and pout and through my silence punish the engine. But my anger and my frustration and my temper tantrums and my screaming and my threats will never make this engine work. But there is a place that I can go and a person I can go to with this engine who has designed it and has built it and they do know what to do with it. And so I actually brought that person to this service. Dwayne, would you go ahead and come up here real quick and help me figure out why this engine doesn't work? There's a spark. That was awesome. Do that again. That's why we got this fire extinguisher up here. I'm good. What did you do? A piece of gear. Huh? Okay. You ready? So my screaming would not do, but my frustration would not do. Putting it in the hands of the person that built it and designed it, he could so quickly make the right adjustment. Every relationship has an engine to it. Every relationship has a driving force. Every relationship has something motivating it. And if you don't understand the way you're designed, and if you don't know how to go to the one that designed you, no matter how frustrated you get, no matter how much you kick and scream, the marriage will break down. Jesus told this woman, you can go through a lifetime of blaming every possible relationship that you have. Five, and now you're on number six, She's got a scrapyard full, a scrapyard piled up of broken relationships. And yet Jesus says something really simple. I can fix in one moment what you couldn't do in a lifetime, but you have to ask me. I created you. I created that marriage, but you have to ask me. See, what I think is interesting in church life is, did you know that no one has ever existed like you before in the history of the planet? I know this is basic, but just walk with me for a second. Your thumbprint is the only thumbprint. You can just look at your fingers and know that you are unique, that there's no one that's ever been, nor will there ever be someone like you. Your heartbeat, everything about you 
is unique to you. And your spouse has the exact same claim. So what that tells me is no one has ever existed, no couple has ever existed like you and your spouse. So how can we just give cliche-ish advice when no one's ever been raised the way she was raised, raised the way you were raised, nobody has her background, your background, all the things that brought you and that person together. So if you think that you can just go at it talking to your girlfriend on the phone or even coming to a church service and getting a quick little message and that fixes it, because I'm not telling you to come to me. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I, I don't know what I'm doing, but I know the one who does. And I know if you'll invite him in, if you'll invite, if you'll ask of him, You see, without asking of him, you'll always expect another person to be the things that they never could be. And it's unfair to them and it's unattractive as well. That no person has ever been created that can consistently in a sustained way meet the needs that you have. And to transfer that onto them, to push that onto them is to expect them to be something that God never created them to be. But when I give up and when I simply say, I don't have a marriage problem, I have a God problem. And when I simply quit expecting people to fix the problem that only God can fix, then I begin to understand that this engine that I have, there's a designer I can take it to. This relationship that I have, there's a creator, an inventor. There's the one that understands how it should function to be at its best Come on, wasn't that a beautiful sound just a minute ago? Isn't, wouldn't it be a whole lot better if you could have that kind of horsepower behind your relationship than just constant frustration because you don't feel like it's getting you where you want to go and doing what you need it to do? Wouldn't it be better just to be able to push, push some, you know, push that throttle and get something from it because you understand that God has got it in his hands? You know, they say that people need four things. Every person needs four things. They need acceptance. They need identity. They need security. And they need purpose. And if any person doesn't have these four things, then that that person will immediately begin to feel empty. Acceptance means I want to be loved on the worst day of my life. Can I just help you? No human being can do that for you. Only God can do that for you. The Bible says, can anything separate you from his love? And the Bible answers it in Romans chapter 8, nothing. Nothing can separate you from his love. Identity, identity, this is, this is not just, will someone love me on the worst day of my life? This is, who am I? Who am I? My identity. And identity doesn't come from somebody else telling you who you are. Identity comes from knowing whose you are, knowing what he says about you. Identity comes from the idea that before you even created, created in your mother's womb, Psalms 139 actually says that his thoughts are so numerous towards you that when he knit you together, it was so specific and clear that he actually went out into the future and every single day you would be on the planet, he began to think about and he put on the inside of you, he gave you the resources to be everything that he would need you to be for every day that you would be on this planet. And your identity can't, a person can't give you what you need to rest in the idea that your identity is from him. Security. Am I safe? Everybody wants to know, am I safe? Even right now, you might be with your spouse or maybe you're single and the whole sermon, you've been a little tense because you're wondering, are we safe? 
It, what's he going to say that's going to stir something up? What's he going to say that's going to make it hard? What's he going to say that on the way home, she's going to be like, I told you, you should listen to him. And you want to know, are you safe? Who's trying to hurt me? The Bible actually is very clear that, that you and I are never safe in another person. That you and I, the Bible says, though a thousand may fall at our right hand and 10,000 at our left hand, though, though everyone around you might fall, that there's a strong tower and a refuge you can run to. And if you'll run to him, no matter what human relationships are falling apart in his hand, the Bible says you are safe, you're secure. The purpose that comes from God, the idea that you are his sons and his daughters and that he wants to use you and he has a plan for you and a destiny for you. A person can't give you that. Only he can give you that. And you've got to bring not only your life, but you've got to bring your spouse. You've got to bring your family. You've got to bring it and you have to say, okay, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I think I know. I have some basic knowledge, but I really don't know how it all works. And so I'm going to do what you ask. In this scripture for this woman to do, I'm going to ask of you. I'm going to ask of you. And the word says that if she would just have asked, if she would have known who she was talking to and knew what would happen if she would just ask, that a gift would come from God that would create in her something to where she would never thirst again. Let me ask you a question. Have you asked God? I, I understand at an altar, at a wedding, however many years ago, you kind of, but but when was the last time you were frustrated or mad or angry instead of in your mind thinking about how you were going to get out and how you were going to punish and how you were going to... When was the last time you just stopped and said, man, God, I need your help? Because the mistake would be to hear a sermon like this and think that I'm trying to tell you you need to leave here and try harder. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 7, if you leave here and you just go try harder... This sermon will actually hurt your marriage more than it helps it. The Bible actually says when you try, when that thing in you that says, I got to try harder to be a better husband. I got to try harder to be a better wife. That, that actually enforces the law in your heart, which produces death. That's why Paul said, and he says this right around that subject. When I do that, the things I don't want to do, I do. And the things I don't want, something like that. I want to do, I don't do. But he goes on to say, so what do we do then? Do we not hold ourselves to a high standard? No, we do, but we don't do it by trying harder. We do it by saying, God, I need your help. I can't do it without you. I don't want to do it without you. Would you help me? Would you help me? Would you help me forgive? Would you help me drop the pride? Would you help me not push you out? Would you help me see that I can start over, that I can come to you, and no matter how far gone it seems, it's not too late. Would you help me? And if you'll invite him in, then the Bible says that that's how life is produced in the areas of your life that the enemy's trying to destroy. That's how the thirst is quenched in areas of your life where you think that what you need is another relationship or to look to someone else or somewhere else to get what only God can provide for you. 